Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. Today we are excited to share an interview with Nate and Kim, who are adoptive parents. They have a child with special needs, and they also talk about navigating open adoption relationships with family that also might have special needs. I think that it'll be really easy for you to see and hear how much love and how caring these two individuals are, and I think there's a lot that we can learn from them. So we hope that you enjoy this episode with Nate and Kim. Well, we are now on the podcast with Kim and Nate. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Yeah, happy to be here. Great. Well, to get started, can you just share a little bit about your family? Just help us get to know you a little bit. So Nate works in IT security. That's what he has his degrees in. And he... um, I work for the state. And so as much as I understand of his job is he hacks with permission and prevents hackers with malicious intent yeah that's what i get i'm just like hey i can't get the printer to work can you help me (laughs) (laughs) and then i am fortunate i get to be a stay-at-home mom so and we have a newly turned five-year-old and he's very excited that he's now five because he thought it came with a lot of increased opportunities (laughs) so and then we got a puppy in april and that's been its own adventure so he's supposed to be between like 30 and 40 pounds and he's nine months old and he's like 60 pounds oh my goodness yeah it's like okay (laughs) so yeah that's been kind of a whirlwind and then our son has uh chromosomal deletion and so we got that diagnosis just over a year ago so it's just kind of been the fun game of figuring out what our like toddler attributes and what is due to like developmental delays with said special needs and that. So we've had lots of fun doing IEPs and all that kind of stuff with school and where to go to kindergarten and all that next year. So not fun, fun, not fun. Yeah. (laughs) It's important to figure out, right? We have to do the best that we can for our kids. And we were in an hour long meeting at school today with principals and teachers just trying to make best make a good plan for, for one, one of our, our kids. kids who needs help yeah yeah it's, it's hard um yeah. what do you guys like to do in your spare time or what are some of your hobbies as a family or individuals so we are big like outdoors fans and like the boys more so than me but like our little boy would like live outside if we'd let him like he just wants to be outside all the time and he is like we're a little more introverted and he's the total opposite like he came with no stranger danger like if you are willing to have fun he's all there like he had like best friend cashiers at the grocery store and I'm like you can't send us home with candy every time like that just <laughs> and we um like camping and Nate's really into gotten into bow hunting and such and doing that and then like his new pandemic hobby is woodworking so I'm like great I have like 14 million like projects around the house that I'm ready for him to do but I was like our timetables aren't always lining up yeah (laughs) that's the story of life (laughs) But, but that's awesome why don't you jump in and just share a little bit about your 
experience and your story with adoption. Yeah, I'm like, I'll take this one and then I'll leave the harder questions for Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Nate and I met, I had just done a first year at BYU and Nate has like 400 first cousins and they're all pretty local. So they had like a big cousin group date and I worked with his cousin at the hospital. And so she asked if I'd go with Nate. So we met on a blind date and dated like forever, like 15 whole days and got engaged and then <laughs> got married a few months later. And so that was like a whirlwind. That's kind of like the title of our book. I feel like whirlwinds here, whirlwinds there. But so we got married and then we, um, when it was time to start our family, just had no luck and found ourselves doing like the whole infertility circuit and that, and just nothing ever panned out there. And we had gone and had the first few meetings with family services and that, and weren't sure if it was the right fit and not. And so then a couple years later, we kind of circled back to him and got approved and everything with them. And then we just didn't have any luck with matching and we had met with several different birth moms and had kind of a bunch of highs and lows different stages of placement and everything just kind of falling through we had one where we drove down to new mexico to pick up a little baby girl and it ended up being a scam so we came to we drove to New Mexico and back and like 20 hours and then so I was like do not recommend but so <laughs> and that and then we got to the point where like I was like we were getting close to 30 I was like hit my 30th birthday and I was like you know like we've tried for a long time like this is this is good like we can't there's still lots of joy in the world and there's a lot of different and and things that can still be a part of our story. And so we kind of just decided to close that chapter and we had done our foster care classes and all, but got approved with them. And I just didn't feel like that was a good fit for us either. And so we were looking at lots to start building a house and all that. And then I decided to go back to school and everything. And then I think I was in school, like what, six, seven weeks, maybe. And then we got a phone call one evening and Nate got the call from his mom about a couple wanting to meet us. And Nate was on his way home from a hunting trip with his boss. So he had like a dead deer in the back of the truck (laughs) and all this. And I'm like in yoga pants and like a messy bun and that. And we go over to his mom's and she actually has a couple and they're they ended up having their baby four weeks early and so he was just like this teeny tiny little nine-day-old guy and we sat and met with them and they were looking to place at that point um they have both of them have lost their moms when they were younger and don't have much if any family support and not a lot of like perspective employment opportunities and things like that and they just were realizing with such a new little guy that they were kind of in over their heads and they actually asked us that night if we would consider adopting him so I was like there we were <laughs> luckily we had Amazon Prime yeah so in <laughs> we could order everything that we needed yeah for the doorstep yeah 
and that's how I, I think a lot of our neighbors from Costa are like, are you guys adopting? Like, we see all this stuff on your porch. And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's going on. So, yeah, it was kind of like zero to baby in like a week. So that was crazy. That's crazy. So that's awesome. Yeah. So can you tell us about how you found your son and how you guys were matched with his birth parents? Yes. So we actually had kind of stopped the whole process. Like we had figured, like we gave it a good try and that, and then about, so we were still like home study certified and had all of our yeah, we legal classes. Yeah. We really good aunts and uncles, like, because mm-hmm. we had to babysit. I have lots of nieces and nephews. So we were babysitting all the time. And we're like, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Um, just kind of felt like, let's move on. Let's get to the, the next steps because we've always been holding out for kind of starting our family. Yeah. And then um, we had a phone call one evening from Nate's mom to come and meet with this couple. They had had their little boy four weeks early and like totally unexpected. She just happened to go into labor. I mean, he didn't spend any time in the NICU, no oxygen or nothing. He just happened to come four weeks early and his birthday falls three days before his birth mom's. And so for his birth mom's birthday, Nate's mom and sister um, went down to visit them and wish her a happy birthday and see how baby was doing and everything. And when she got there, she could kind of just tell that things weren't the best. Like he wasn't thriving. Like they were having a lot of struggles and they have no like familial support or any yeah. kind of thing like that. Birth mom's dad has special needs and birth father's dad, he had, he bipolar and schizophrenic. So there's not a whole lot of normalcy there for those two. And so Nate's mom invited her them and baby to come and stay with them indefinitely and Nate's mom I mean she had nine kids like she's she's just so good with that and with having worked with special needs with Nate's sister and having known um our son's birth mom for so long that was just kind of like a natural I don't know she was just like a super nurturer and so to just say like hey come stay with me like I'll show you the ropes, like tips and tricks, all that kind of thing. And so they went and spent some, I think a week week, or so up there. And then they were on their way home from uh, our son's first week checkup with the doctor and birth dad said to my mother-in-law, he's like, I, I don't think we can do this. Like, I don't think we have the capabilities and there's just too much. We don't know. And it's just, it's just too hard. And so he asked if um, she thought that they could do an adoption placement at this point. So, and so she said, you know, there, you can go on like adoption.com and find profiles and that, like, you can just start that way, looking through and seeing like what's out there and that, or, and then she mentioned that like Nate and I were still um, certified in all that. And they had had a lot of interaction that week with like Nate's siblings and such. Like we hadn't been over there because Nate had been out of town, but they liked seeing that it was like a close knit family. And I mean, your parents pretty much had an open door policy. Like, I mean, their pantry was for like Disneyland to grandkids. So it was just like, they liked seeing that side of things. And so I think it kind of made, 
kind of like a segue for us to come over and visit with them and have them know kind of like what our side of the family looks like with getting all together and knowing that like if they did decide to go with us that that we had this familial support and you know potential cousins and all that like things that they didn't so so you got introduced and what is it what did it look like when you met and from the time like you met to the time where a decision was made i know that the situation is a little bit different because baby was already there they had already kind of tried parenting but realized that it wasn't maybe the possibility for them so what did that timeline look like for you guys it was only about a half hour yeah half hour and then they says well we'd like to ask you if you would adopt our son and then it was like we'd after that it was like we came over every day we already knew the social worker that um was doing our home study certification so she was willing to come be a social worker for the adoption we already had a lawyer that we had met at some adoption fairs um and so we just kind of tried to line things up within that six days that we had well yeah it ended up being six days between when they told us and when we could actually take him home so yeah whirlwind welcome to parenthood yes yeah. yes awesome I was like, I don't even think I, we got home that night and I was like, oh my gosh, we have all this baby stuff and we don't even have like bread or eggs in the fridge. Cause like <laughs> we just haven't spent any time at home that week. Like, yeah. yeah. I think during that six days until it actually happened, like we went in front of like had the paper signed and everything. We're still like, is this actually going to happen? Is this actually real? Because yeah. we had had those belt placements and things like that. Did you guys talk with your son's birth parents before papers were signed and everything about what your relationship would look like after? Yes. So we talked about that a lot with them. And one of the things that, so um, our son's birth mom has some special needs herself. And one of the, the main, um, like, I don't know if symptom is the right word, but one of the main ways it manifests is she actually does a lot better with like nonverbal communication. She does a lot, like she would much prefer to like text or like have things written down than like a face-to-face and so we actually sat down with them and she wanted to know how like the open adoption and things would look it's like we made a calendar list of events of things were like hey these are some of the fun things we do each month like what do you guys want to be a part of like what do we want to make sure is included with you guys like she really liked the idea of like birth mother's day so that Saturday in May, and that was one thing she was like, I really want to make sure I see him on that day. And, or like, whether it was like making sure she got to see him in his Halloween costume or doing like, I remember we did tacos for like the first birthday that, um, birth dad had after placement and some of those things. And I think that really helped her was to have like this calendar of events of things, not only to look forward to, but I also think where she really got to feel a part of like kind of establishing that first year, like, cause that's all like the traditions you start up is like that first year. I think that's awesome. awesome. I love that. Yeah. As we've talked to some birth mothers and then those that are involved with our family, um, some had mentioned like, yeah, when I knew that there was like a date on the calendar that we would see each other again, it made my decision and my choice just a little bit easier. It's a, it's obviously un- unable to comprehend 
the decision that birth parents make, but knowing that there's already something else planned to have that relationship continue, uh, it's helpful. Yeah, we kind of marked out like, I think it was about once a month that we were going to see them that first year. Cool. Well, that's a great idea. I love that. I like that too. Yeah. So with you guys finding each other through family members, right? How did that play into what your adoption looks like today? Like with your sister being good friends with your son's birth mom, what does that look like now? I think it made it feel... I mean, and I mean, we have no other like adoption to compare it to, but it felt a little more natural. Like we had gone when Nate's sister graduated high school. Well, that's when our son's birth mom graduated high school too. Like being there like for her high school graduation or like, I don't remember how many times like we had dropped her off home, like when she'd been over hanging out with Nate's little sister and like their Facebook friends with, I mean, half of your siblings and aunts and uncles and not too. So it just seems like a very, I don't know, like they almost seem more related than I think another set of birth parents would because it's like people ask us all the time, oh, how are, you know, how are they doing? And that seems more commonplace, I think, Mm -hmm. than I might expect in a different set of circumstances. So, and I think they felt more comfortable asking for certain things, whether it's like, Hey, this meetup time isn't going to work. Can we switch and do this? Or can we have a different location where they had been in Nate's parents' home so many times prior and like had gone to school with your sister for so long. So. Awesome. So you guys knew each other too, before baby was born. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I, I missed mean, that. I would say like more casual acquaintance on our part, yeah. but like birth mom and dad, like pretty integral with your sister. So yeah. I'd known each other for lots of years. Maybe kind of fast forward, it's been five years. Um, how has that relationship changed or what does it kind of look like today versus the very beginning? Um, things have just kind of naturally spaced out a little bit more. Like we had, I mean, almost daily texts and phone calls and things like that for the first little while. And then of course, like with visits and such, like things spaced out just out of necessity, like with COVID and things like that. But I mean, thank goodness for like, they really enjoy seeing him like on zoom and getting that like live action, like reaction to their Christmas present for him and like seeing him interact with that. And I think that's been good. We have always had more, communication from birth mom than birth dad but like they're always so good to be like happy birthday you know and things like that and they always want to know (laughs) well she always likes to know what's going on with the puppy too but like what new things um our son's doing in school and especially with like some of his like health prognosis and things like that they've taken a keen interest in some of those um birth mom much more so than birth dad so what would you say are some of the challenges and blessings that accompany being adoptive parents the challenges are doctor visits so when they're like oh so is this genetic and we're like uh i don't know (laughs) like we don't have a whole lot of backstory there so i think that would definitely be a challenge yeah and i think making sure that 
so we have some family members who are super great with adoption and using, you know, proper adoption etiquette and terminology and that. And then we have some who are just, who are not. And like, they just haven't been in the mix of things enough where I think they realize what is and isn't okay. And so I think sometimes it's a little tedious to remind them oh this you know we actually say he was adopted not he is adopted it's part of his story it's not his whole entire story and things like that or just like our son has a different nationality and racial makeup than we do and so making sure that we're using appropriate language and joking in an appropriate way we've had to correct family members quite a bit and as nate's family uh, as his dad's gotten remarried and there's been like a new mix of people coming in making sure that we have some of those ground yeah. rules i think established it's also a good thing in the same is helping people be educated right it's been kind of nice to kind of be guess that place where they can come and ask questions you know um because sometimes you can see that it's genuine questions that they want answered and they're like i just don't know how this works can would you guys be willing to talk about it you know so i think it's just it gives us an opportunity to talk about our son too which is always great too so i think that's one big blessing that mm -hmm. way and I would even go as far in saying like with our journey with infertility and with um, working so much with um, the special needs community that we are doing now, it has made us, I think, a little more mindful of what we say and how we react to other situations. Because you just never know with people, but I'm like, just making sure that we're using like upbeat and positive language. Because it's one thing to say, I don't, know. I don't know how to try and say what I'm saying, but like, I feel like we're more cognizant of what we say and how it may be received. Does that make sense? Like we had like one sister-in-law in particular would just always be like, Oh, I hate being pregnant. And like, that was so hard to hear for like a decade, you know, but it's like some of those things that I think were a little more cognizant of like what we say, or like when people complain about their kids and I'm like, I know that's human nature. Like I'm sure everyone does it, but I think it's been, a little different on our part because we're like oh man yeah today was rough but oh my gosh we're still so glad that we get out of him you know so. i love that great perspective so what are some of the unique challenges of being special needs parents i think because this chromosome deletion is so rare i think that comes a huge challenge and it almost makes me wonder if birth mom actually has the same chromosome deletion um, because they don't really know. Um, Her special needs have never fit into like any set classification, like not on the spectrum, not like, and so, yeah, it makes us wonder if that's what she's caught. But I think it has been, we kind of played the back and forth along a lot um, with our son growing up because we, for a long time, just had like the umbrella diagnosis. Well, it's not, this or that. So we'll just put it in this category for now. Oh, it's just developmental delays. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just low, muscle tone. low muscle tone. Yeah. And then to get the official diagnosis right after he turned four, I think a lot of people expected us to be like kind of devastated and heartbroken, but it's actually opened a lot of doors having Diagnosis. the diagnosis and like Nate was saying, it's super rare. There's one academic paper out there on it. 
And so we're like, okay, well. One academic paper with like six or so people in it, mm-hmm. and their cases are way more severe than our son's compared like where he is compared to where the people that were studied are. Um, he's like light years ahead. Yeah. He's like beyond the genius level compared to what, where they're at. Right. So it we, gave us perspective that way too. Yeah. Right. To say, you know what, things could be a lot worse. He's doing really great for what, uh, what we found out. So. And I think it's given us the realization that we need to be not only like the experts on his condition, but the advocates too, because it's one thing to say, yeah, we need an IEP at school, but to say, no, we specifically need these provisions made for him. And just because he struggles with speech doesn't mean that like his cognitive skills are struggling. Like he may not be able to tell you the answer, but it doesn't mean he doesn't know the answer, if that makes sense. So. And I mean, having a diagnosis gets a lot of insurance like out of the way as far as like getting approvals and not like actually having that <laughs> diagnosis has been helpful. So, and I mean, the, so we've been in like PT, OT speech. Like we started it, he was four months old when he first started PT and we've made some like really good friends and such through that. So crazy but good so it sounds like at this point i mean ongoing new like learning new maybe challenges and solutions to some things that he may struggle with um becoming more and more educated and then being part of a community has has really helped too yeah Yeah. oh for sure i think it's just realizing that our son we don't need to make him conform to like societal standards like he has like he loves letters and numbers like he's beyond age level skill wise with letters and numbers like that's just like his passion and so watching him like thrive and do so well with that academic portion when you see like yes we're very behind like we're not riding a bike yet but at the same time we're off the charts in one end, but yes, we struggle on this end. And like seeing those unique successes has really been, I think, fun, honestly. So. I think it's hopeful for her. Yeah. I think it's easy to get hung up on what's not going right, right? So being able to see those successes, those tiny wins, and be able to say, yeah, he is doing really well here. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe can you share some thoughts about navigating an open adoption that includes some special needs and how you've kind of approached that? Yeah, so where both our son's birth parents have some like either emotional struggles or special needs themselves and then our son having special needs, I think there's been almost an increase for me of like compassion with how we not only deal with birth parents, but how we speak about them with others. Like I feel extremely like protective. Sorry, I'm gonna like get all emotional. But I just think like where we talked about like our son's birth mom, she does a lot better with like texting or pictures with a message attached versus like a face-to-face conversation. Like I want to make sure that like she's presented to others in a way that like 
magnifies her because she when she's having a hard time like she'll reach out and say you know I know I made the right choice and just really struggling today and just to have like just the thought that she would want to hear from me it's like such an honor because I feel like she's just like the most amazing person and for her to have some more limited capabilities but to reach outside of herself and like put this baby first it's just incredible to me what do you wish that you could tell yourself at the beginning of your adoption journey be patient sleep while you can (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i think with what we've noticed with our son is that like he'll have like months where he doesn't make much progress with a lot of his special needs and then he'll take like a week or two and just like kind of skyrocket in certain areas it's like oh that's so great so like, but going through that at the beginning, like thinking, hey, like, we're, we're wondering, is he ever going to walk, right? Is he ever going to do some of these things? But just kind of be patient, be, know that it will happen in, in his timing. So, Yeah, I love that. Like patience in, you know, hoping to adopt, waiting to adopt through failed adoptions, through failed placements, um, through... Maybe the ups and downs of parenting, that's a really good attribute to try to embody as you go through that. Kind of a follow-up question to your story. Um, from the time you first got approved to the time to the time you adopted your son, what, how long was that? And what were some of the bumps in the road that you had that maybe would have discouraged you or made the process more difficult? I got approved, like, wow, 2011, and then Drew was born and then... 2016 so a little over five years there um and I think some of the things that were rough foster care classes like the night or the week that you do like the trauma classes like (laughs) that was rough and like I think that scared me away for a long time because I was just like how can I like help them navigate through when they are so undeserving of like the hurt and such that's come to them like how can I help them through that and how do I dare even try because I wouldn't want to make anything worse and so I think that it's a lot to take in but at the same time it's like if not you then who because like I know um CPS had been called on our son and his birth parents. And I don't know if it was while they were still in the hospital or whatnot, but prior to them having made an adoption plan and um, it's like working through with them and the things, I just think there's so much like lack of education with what like DCFS does and the foster system and not that I think it's easy to just be scared and look the other way versus to like, Jumping in helps, not the right term, but being willing to be an advocate. And like, even if you don't foster or if you don't adopt, like there are still plenty of ways to help. So yeah, I think sometimes it just seems like an insurmountable from the first glance and being willing to have that second look and like take those education classes. And like, I even feel that way sometimes with like special needs, like people here, Oh, autism diagnosis. And you think like, you know, the wealth can crash in and you think, oh, your life's going to be so different, so hard like this. And like, yeah, that's 
a part of it, but that's not the whole thing. Like some of our son's like very best friends, like with, you know, are on the spectrum or have had like severe, like medical challenges. And I think, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad you guys get to come and play. Like there's just so much more to what the first glance is. So. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. Well, you're the way you phrase it. If not you, then who, I think that's a really sweet kind of lesson to take out of your training and, and maybe some of those classes. But I think it's also kind of interesting that you maybe not you maybe, maybe today you wouldn't have the same perspective. Had you not gone through those five years? Oh, for sure. All right. What are some of the lessons, like the life lessons that you've learned from being parents of a child with special needs? Oh, so this, he was probably like, what, 18 months old when we first had language classes that we went to. And one of the things that was said in that class that, and I don't remember a whole lot other than like, these are the foundations of language. Like you have to have like joint, like not even so much eye contact, but like joint attention first before you can move on to the next step anyway. But they said, celebrate every win. And I feel like maybe I've taken that like really pretty far, but I'm like, yeah, we celebrate everything. Like you got your SH blend today? Like, heck yeah, we're having a party. Like you want steak for dinner? Great. Like I, there's just too much that goes right to not celebrate. So. I think enjoying the now rather than looking to the future. I think in the beginning, I saw myself like, oh, we're going to get through this and it'll be better in a little bit. And, but I think as time progressed, we saw some things it's like no we need to enjoy that now because he's not always going to be this way like he may not um want to come sit on my lap and do my work for me you know do my work <laughs> um, on your computer yeah but take the opportunity to enjoy it because there's going to be times when he's just you know may have zero interest in hanging out with dad so like just kind of trying to yeah just enjoy the now i think somebody put it best when it says um try to live in today. Otherwise you're going to have a lot of empty yesterdays. So I just really like that. The realization that like what makes us special is the things that are unique about us. Like I, I don't know how, because I'm like, he didn't get it from me. He didn't get it from you, but like our son eats produce, like no other kid I've ever met. Like how many times have we had the conversation? You can't only have broccoli for dinner. Like please have something else <laughs> or like he like loves like asparagus or like raw green onions or how many pomegranates do we go through this time of year? Like that's just one of the things about him that it's like, he would rather have that than almost anything else except for donuts. He loves donuts. Yeah. Like that's just one <laughs> of like, <laughs> that's just one of the things that like makes him him is like, he just loves his produce or like letters and numbers or the way like he, when you go for a picture, like he has to like tilt his head to the side, to, like give you like this super big cheese smile. Like, so I just think it's just one of those things where you're like, you are different and that's exactly why you're amazing. So you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, maybe some newer family members or family members you don't see as much and how you navigate trying to educate them or teach them a little bit about adoption. Anything else you'd add to that? Like what are, what are maybe some things that you've done to help people understand 
what adoption is? I think a lot of kind of what we get is people will kind of like ask us, oh, is it okay to talk to like, does he know about his birth parents? And like, they'll use like the terminology, like real parents and things like that. But they kind of like do it more as an aside. Oh, does he know? I'm like, yes, he knows he's adopted. Like, that's one of the reasons we tell him he's so great. Like he has a picture of his birth parents on the bulletin board in his room. Like we tell them when they text and ask how he's doing. And like, he loves to choose what pictures we send them and things like that. Like, I think people... I think education, education that like the terminology, right? Just saying they, how does he feel that he was given up? Oh, well, they didn't give him up. He was, they made a choice to place them, yeah, to place him and let us parent, right? And just kind of helping people see the cup half full side of things and see that, you know what, adoption isn't uh, negative. So I think when they learn those things, they come away. The greater understanding and I guess a greater empathy. Like, you know what? That was a hard thing. Or you know what? I feel like adoption is such a, a positive experience for a lot of people. I think for us too, like adoption is just our normal, right? That's it's our everyday. And yeah. when it's not the normal for people and they kind of encounter it or see it, there's a lot of questions that they can have. But just helping people see the normal that it's our normal is really helpful to help them kind of grasp how things work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes helping them to know kind of what is okay to ask. Like we, in the beginning, it's like, like Kim said, our son has dark hair and like this olivey complexion and like I have him with me and they'd be like, Whoa, mom must be have like super dark hair and stuff. Like you're so white. That's like, <laughs> so then it's, you know, getting those opportunities to just kind of, be that advocate um, in more ways than one is great. I think we've honestly really lucked out that we've always had some friends or neighbors, like pretty close associates, wherever we've lived with our son who have adopted as well. Like, I think it's been helpful for him to see other families that look like ours mm-hmm. or that have four kids that are adopted. And we can say, oh yeah, like just like trying to do it without using first things but you know what i mean like they're the same like i love that you guys are both adopted oh my gosh that's so cool and then just being like i think it's also not what people expect the norm to be to have good relationship with birth parents like we're really fortunate that we do have such a good relationship with birth parents and i mean there's always been Yeah. And I mean, there's been some times where we're like, if you smell like alcohol or weed, like when you come to a meeting, like that means we can't, you know, have a visit today or even like just some things where it's like, oh, this, and then talking to our son, like we need to be making sure everyone's making safe choices to be able to hang out and play with you, Drew. And so I think helping people realize, yeah, there's a whole avenue to healthy birth parent relationships that I think most people are just don't even realize exists. Yeah. And I guess our hope would be that that becomes the norm, right? That we all just have healthy relationships. And, you know, I I appreciate that you mentioned like having boundaries. Um, And I hope people see too, like, yeah, I have boundaries between, we have boundaries between our children and, and many other people, right? Like, 
and we want to keep them safe. We want to keep them, you know, having really good experiences. And no matter who that person is, our job as parents is to make sure that they are having a positive experience. But yeah. overall, I hope that the, the, wow, you guys have a great relationship with birth parents becomes less of a surprise and more of the expectation or the norm. Yeah. I think it's helped to kind of show that boundaries are a positive thing. Everybody, when there's good, healthy boundaries, everybody actually feels better because it's not left with the unknown. Oh, is this okay? Is this not okay? No, those boundaries were specified. And I think not only in our relationship with the birth parents, but our relationships with others too, to kind of see, oh, there's boundaries. Oh, like, I think in the beginning it was difficult. I know, like for some of like my family and different things like that, like it, it was difficult in the beginning, but then it's just always been easier once boundaries have been put into place. So that's great. I love that. Boundaries are so important. That's well said. All right. Well, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about today? I mean, I don't know how unique our situation is compared to everyone else's, but I know that like, it's been a huge blessing for us. Like the friendships we've made both through like having similarities in adoptions or whether it's been like other moms that I've connected with through like our son's special needs and like some of those groups and such, I think our lives have been so enriched because of our set of circumstances. Like I just kind of feel privileged. You guys have a great story. I can tell, I mean, our listeners can't see right now, but I can just see the smiles on your faces and just how genuinely you care about your son and his birth parents and how important you know navigating adoption and special needs is to you it's so so apparent so thank you so much for being with us for opening up and sharing thank you for having us we're super glad you joined us thank you yes appreciate it Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We loved hearing from Nate and Kim, and we really love and appreciate the respect and honor that they give to their son's birth family, and especially to his birth mom. Yeah, one thing that really stood out to me from what Kim said was just about how we talk about the birth parents of our children uh, to other people. And I really hope that as a community, we can make sure that we are really speaking positively about birth parents and just helping people outside the adoption community see the vital role that they continue to play in our lives and the lives of our children. I agree. And our kids are listening, right? And so how important is it to show our kids that we love all of them, including all of their family, including their birth family, the people who brought them into the world. I feel like that's a really important role that we as adoptive parents have, making sure our kids know that we love and accept all of them and all of their family. Next week, we'll be back with another episode. We'll be sharing an adoptee interview and we're really excited about it. It's very authentic and raw and we are excited to learn more from Mary, who is an adoptee. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We'll see you next week.